our hearts do not commend us. We have confidence before God and receive from anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this in his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and the love and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know in we know it by by the spirit he gave us. So Good morning to everybody online, and welcome to our service today, and also welcome, of course, everybody who's here. As is my custom, I'm working my way through, uh, through the letters of John at the moment, and the last time I spoke in, uh, I think it was November, yeah, it was before I went to South Africa, it was in November, we talked about setting our hearts at rest, or setting our conscience at rest, uh, as it says there in, uh, in verse 21, if our conscience does not condemn us. And I talked about uh, how do we set our conscience at rest, and what is our conscience. Um, some translations here, like the NIV talks about if our heart does not condemn us, or our, if our heart is at rest. Other translations, like the New English translation, uses conscience. So a quick summary, uh, what we talked about. We said our conscience can be corrupted, our conscience can be burning inside us sometimes. The good news, our conscience can be cleared. And then, important as Christians, our conscience must be trained. And the good news, we can live with a clear conscience. So that was kind of a quick summary of what we discussed last time. Now that is actually quite important uh, in the context of today's lesson, because you know we, we could take these scriptures one at a time and try and do a deep dive, but they're always in context of each other. So within that context, when we look at today's scripture, it is a follow-on on a whole lesson of, lesson of our conscience and having our hearts at rest and living with a clear conscience and living with our hearts at peace and at rest. Because he says here in, uh, in verse 21, if our conscience does not condemn us. So it's like, okay, let's get this whole conscious thing out of the way, get it sorted, and now we can move on to this, well, if our conscience is clear and we live at peace in our hearts, then we have confidence in the presence of God. Now, that is something quite amazing, to have confidence in the presence of God. Who has ever been in the presence of someone that's, like, really important? Like, has anybody been, like, met the queen or something? Or Yes, okay, tell me. I did the queen. You met the queen? Yeah. And how did you feel in her presence? Very, um, very, very, um, very almost afraid to say or do the wrong thing. Yeah, afraid to say or do the wrong thing. Were, were you nervous? You shook hands with her. <laughs> Would you say you were confident in her presence? Definitely not. I mean, and that is, I don't want to insult the British people, that was just the Queen. No, it was the Queen. But, you know, just the Queen of Great Britain and the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. You know, there are other countries with queens. Other queens are available and other kings are available, etc. <laughs> Ministers, presidents, etc. There's about 160-something countries in the world who have different rulers. Uh, but still, something, someone really important. And, you know, do we feel confident in the presence of someone like that? I had my performance review 
last month my, at work. You know, and even that was like, uh, I'm going to, you know, have a chat to my boss and my boss is going to have a chat to me. And you know, I don't quite go in there 100% confident. I'm like, you know, okay, you know, I did reasonably well last year, but um, let's see. Imagine being in the presence of God with confidence. <coughs> That's the amazing outcome if we live with a clear conscience, that we can approach God with confidence. And then why is that so important? Because, and that's what I want to focus on today in verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive from him. If we can approach God with confidence, it also means that we can, uh, we can ask. We can ask from God and receive. And I'll talk today about asking and receiving. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Now, this scripture, many times in the past, and still every time I read it, whatever we ask, we receive from him, it raises some questions in my heart and in my mind. I'm like, in, hang on, whatever we ask, we receive from him? Now, has anybody else read that scripture or other similar scriptures that says you can ask him anything and you will receive and it raises some questions? What, what kind of questions has it raised with you? Why have I got what I've asked for? Why haven't I got what I've asked for? Yes. What else? What other questions? Yes. Just clearly, clearly the misunderstanding of the true meaning, because you don't always get what you ask for. Okay, so you've also I don't get what I asked for. Hang on. Do I understand it? Yes. Why can't people get better when we pray for them? Yes, why don't we get... I mean, I'm asking for something good. Why doesn't it happen? What other questions? Joe. Uh, am I allowed to ask this automatic question about it? Am I allowed to ask this? Yes. Is, my, is this a valid question? You mean anything? Like anything, anything? <laughs> or just some anythings? Thank you. What if what I'm praying isn't God's will? Yes, so yeah. Yeah. What, what if? Am I con can I be confidently asking this? And um, Am I sure? I'm not sure. Lisa? How long should I keep on? How long should I keep on asking? Yes. Whatever I ask. When will I get this? <laughs> Anyone else? That. Well, if two of us are the same thing, but different outcomes. Yes, oh yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Man, now I have to go and modify my sermon. I didn't cover that one. Okay, <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one. That, that'll be episode two. Uh, there was another ad somewhere. Right, I mean, these are some of the questions that, that came up. Does God only answer the prayers of the obedient? Because, he says, um, he says, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him. So, Question is, whatever we ask, like, can anybody ask? Or is it only the obedient who can ask? Um, does it guarantee a yes answer to all our prayers? Or can I really ask anything I want? Will we receive as soon as we ask? Uh, how, obedient, how obedient do I need to be to be heard? You know, is it like Santa Claus that says, you know, I've got my list, and have you been good this year? <laughs> you know, is there a checklist? Can the size of the ask be related to my level of obedience? You know, it's like, in, well, I've been moderately good, so I guess I can ask for moderate things. <laughs> um, how many times do I need to ask? And so we can go on. You can probably answer, ask uh, some more questions, like there were some great questions uh, from, from everybody today. How often do I need to ask? Uh, do I need to ask once, many times, every day? 
every month, you know? Um, so let's uh, dive a bit deeper into some of these questions. And uh, I wanna, I'm gonna ask uh, some of our teens and preteens as well for, uh, for their input, because it's always nice to find out what's going on in the families back home, you know? <laughs> to reveal some secrets. Uh, so we'll, go, we'll get back to that. First question, does God listen to sinners? Yes. You know, does he listen to the disobedient? Yes. Exactly, yes. Okay, well, that's an interesting question. What does the Bible say about this? What does God say about this? Okay, well, first of all, Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, first of all, if God doesn't listen to sinners, then there's no hope for me whatsoever, because, or for any of us, because we all have sinned. Um, so we would certainly hope that he does listen to sinners. But this is where it gets tricky. John 9, verse 31, people come and after Jesus heals the blind man, and they say, well, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. And that's a quote from the Old Testament. So here the Bible says he does not listen to sinners. He, he listens to godly people who does his will. Psalm 66, David prays, and he says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So there's clearly some kind of boundary where God stops listening to sinners. Or he hears, but he doesn't listen. And there's a difference between the two. Uh, Proverbs 28 verse 9, if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. So does God listen to sinners? Well, there's clearly a, a boundary where God says, you know what, you can't do that and then come and ask for this. There's, there's, there's a clear boundary. Isaiah 59, God says, because of your sins, I've turned my face away from you. I will not hear. I do not listen. Because of what David says there, cherishing sin. So there's a difference between being a sinner like we all are having a sinful nature and cherishing sin and not, willing, not being willing to turn away from our sin. There's clearly a boundary at some point where God says, enough is enough. And don't come to me with your requests. Don't, don't even dare ask me because you won't receive. In fact, I'm not even listening because of your sin. So there's clearly a boundary there. So is there any hope for the prayers of sinners? Like, oh, so if I am so deep in my sin, is there no hope? Will God never listen to me? Well, there's the example of Jonah, uh, who was a prophet. So God called him and sent him to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. And what did Jonah do? He ran away. He was like, oh, no, I'm not going there. And he tried to run away from God. Now, we all laugh at that, but... In our hearts, you know, maybe we've done that as well sometimes. Like, okay, let me go and hide and pretend God doesn't see me or know where I am or keep my distance. But then after he's in the storm on the ship and everybody's like, you know, the ship is going to sink. And Jonah says, you know what? It's my fault. Throw me overboard and you'll all be saved. And they throw him overboard and the fish swallows him. And there in the, inside the fish... Jonah, it says in Jonah 2, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. 
He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. So Jonah was clearly in a, in a, in a let's call it in a, in a sinful state at this stage because he tried to run away from God. He was clearly very disobedient to God. But at this moment, when he called out in a repentant prayer to God, he says, God, you listen to my cry. Because then the, 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 the fish vomited him out on, on the beach and God saved him from a, a possible death. So there is hope for the prayers of sinners. Another example in uh, Second Kings, where, and this is a, a slightly different situation. I thought I would be able to read that, but it's a little bit too small. <clears throat> so the situation here is that uh, one of the kings of, of Judah, called Ahaziah, it says here in uh, 2 Kings 13, In the 23rd year of Joash, son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, <coughs> Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, became king of Israel in Samaria. And he reigned for 17 years. So here we have one of the kings of Israel, Jehoahaz. And what kind of king was he? He did evil in the eyes of the Lord by following the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which had caused Israel to commit. And he did not turn away from them. So here was this king Jehoahaz. He was clearly in sin. In fact, it says he, was, he did evil. And he also followed the sins of his forefathers. And he even caused the whole nation to commit those sins. And he was unrepentant. He did not turn away from them. Clearly not a good situation. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. And for a long time he kept them under the power of Hazael, king of Aram, and Ben-Hadad, his son. So what happens is God says, that's enough. And he sends another king to subdue the nation because of the sins of King Jehoahaz. And they were suffering. Things were bad. They were struggling. Up to the point where even this sinful king Jehoahaz, uh, the last sentence, he says, Then Jehoahaz sought the Lord's favor, and the Lord listened to him. For he saw how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. Now, this is really interesting. Jehoahaz prayed to God, because of the suffering of his people. He was in sin. He was unrepentant. This was not even like Jonah who said, okay, God, I'm sorry. I want to come back to you. He just prayed for his people. And God had compassion and answered his prayer because he saw how the people were suffering. So is there hope for the prayers of sinners? This is interesting. It seems like sinners, when they pray for, not for themselves, but someone else, God listens. Which kind of makes sense. You know, God is a loving and a compassionate God. And he's fair. So that's quite an interesting one. And then there's a, a third situation, which is a um, well-known story of Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. Paul, of course, was, was he a sinner while well, he was a Pharisee. He was a man who was devoted to God. In his heart, in his mind, he served God. He, he knew the Bible inside out from beginning to end. He prayed regularly. He was a leader among the Jewish people. 
in his heart and mind, he served God. But he went, he went around killing Christians. He was a murderer. And then at some point, after Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he came to repentance. And while he was praying, when he was struck with blindness, in Acts 9 verse 11, the Lord appeared to Ananias and he said, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. What was Saul praying about? It was clearly a repentant prayer. He was praying probably for forgiveness. He was praying for salvation because he met Jesus and he knew he needed to be saved. And God heard his prayer. God heard his prayer to the point where he went to someone else, a prophet, and he said, go to Saul. In fact, it was so bad that when Ananias told him, he says, go to Saul, he says, like, hang on, I know this guy Saul. I'm not going there. He's a killer. He'll kill me. He kills Christians. God said, no, don't worry. It's okay. Just go. While Saul slash Paul was a sinner in a sinful state, God heard his prayer because it was a repentant prayer. So God does hear, and there is hope for the prayers of sinners, but it's mostly connected to God's mercy, compassion, and primarily to salvation. When sinners pray a, a prayer that turns around their life and that recommits themselves to God, or that commits themselves to God for the first time, that is when God listens and says, that prayer I will hear. I don't care how big your sins are. I don't care if you're a murderer like Paul was. I will hear your prayer. And then, of course, the consequence of that is he goes to, to Paul and he explains to Paul uh, what he must do. And Paul says, what must I do? And he says, you need to be baptized to be saved. So that's an important thing as well. It's a side note, but God listens to sinners with repentant prayers, but there is no sinner's prayer in the Bible that will save you. The salvation is not in the prayer itself. The, the prayer opens the door to salvation, which comes with repentance and baptism. So that's an important thing to understand as well. Uh, maybe you've heard this thing called the sinner's prayer and someone was saved by the sinner's prayer. That is not biblical. That is not what God means when he answers a sinner's prayer for salvation. Right, is there any hope for the prayers of sinners? Yes, there is within certain limitations. Now, can I ask for anything whatsoever? That's an interesting one. <coughs> That question. Does it mean he says, ask and you will receive? Can I, can I ask for anything? Really? Well, you can ask what you get. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's see what the Bible says about that. First of all, James 4 verse 3. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly so you can spend it on your passions. Now, what are some of the passions that people have that they might ask wrongly for? Pardon? Money. It could be, yeah. It could be. Like, God, I want more money. And God gives money. It's like, no, God, I want more money. Leon. Relationships. Relationships. Do you want to expand on that a bit more? Tell us. Uh, unhealthy or impure or unsafe relationships. Unhealthy, impure, unsafe relationships. Yeah. Give an example. Yeah. 
Maybe something like that. God, give me a girl. You know. Someone else had a hand up? About asking, asking for our desires, for our passions. You know, what, what are our passions? For various things. I always wonder when I see sportsmen play, pray before, they, before the game. Like, are they praying to win? Or what are they praying for? Um, no, we used to pray when I played rugby. We used to pray before we went on, on the field. And sometimes, sometimes people would pray, God, let us win today. And it's like, hang on, what if those guys pray the same thing? <laughs> it's okay if you pray, God, please keep us safe and you know, don't let us be injured, maybe. Okay, that's, I guess that's a good prayer, but I want to win, God. Is that, a, is that a prayer that's just about our passions? God, yes, I think. Prayers for career progression, yes. Yeah, God, please give me a raise. Please give me a, a, uh, a promotion. I want, a better, I want to go up the ladder, up the corporate ladder. I want to be more important. Yeah, what, yes. Selfish motivations. Selfish motivations, yes. The things that, that the desires within us, things that we want, that may not necessarily be godly. It's what we want to spend on our passions. We ask wrongly, God, please give me that uh, Porsche 911 because, you know, I need a new car, God. You agree, right? My old car is broken. It's run down. That's a good prayer. I need a new car. And since I need a new one, yeah, let it be a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, we, we can't just ask for anything whatsoever. That's clear. First John 5 verse 14, I think Becky mentioned this, says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. So we can approach God in confidence, but our confidence in this, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we can't just ask anything, we need to ask according to his will. Now that complicates things a bit. We'll come back to that a bit later. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, before the crucifixion, he prayed, Abba Father, everything is possible for you. Now, that's approaching God in confidence. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So Jesus was clearly, in his prayer, seeking God's will. And the other thing that he was trying to do, he was trying to align his will with God's will. He's like, in God, this is what I want. This is my will. And sometimes we forget the struggle that Jesus had to go through. The temptation that he had was, my will is not aligned with God's will, with the Father's will. His will was not, yeah, I want to go to the cross, that's what I want to do. <laughs> like, you know, no, Father, I don't really want to do that. Can you take this cup away from me? That's what I want to do. I, I want out. But I'm willing to align, align with your will. So we, we can ask for anything whatsoever, but we still need to align with God's will. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's come back again. It's like, hang on. If he will give me the desires of my heart, then I can obviously ask for anything. Hang on. Only if your desires are in line with God's will. Not your own passions. Not your worldly sinful desires. But our godly desires. So, it's interesting. Let's ask our uh, teens and teens and, and pre-teens. Have you ever asked for something 
from your parents and did not get it? <laughs> yes, Elsie, tell us. McDonald's. No, hang on, hang on. Joe thinks it's wise parents. Tell me, were you hungry? It sounds like a reasonable thing to ask when you're hungry. <laughs> Did they say no? Why do you think they said no? Did they tell you why they said no? You have food at home. Ah, okay. That's debatable, you know, it depends on what kind of food you had at home. You know, if it's cake and cookies, then maybe McDonald's is better. It's like, in, okay, you, you didn't get what you asked for. Who else asked for something that you didn't get? Any of the teens, pre-teens? Let's spill some nice secrets, parents. not much asking. Yeah, they've got much nicer parents than the Matinsons. <laughs> oh! <laughs> You don't ask all the time. Okay, but sometimes you ask. Well, now you can learn something today, uh, William, is that you can ask with confidence. Right, you know, as parents and as children, we, some, we, we can somehow understand that. Um, what are those? Those are cookies and coins. Now, it's interesting. So. So sometimes at the back there, uh, we get our cookies and tea served up front here, uh, all very civilized. At the back there, the kids, they have their drinks and cookies. Their cookies are on the counter. They're not kind of served. But what's interesting, the cookies are there, but the kids still come and ask, oh, can I have a cookie, please? Why do they ask? The cookies are put out there for them. So why do they still have to ask for it? Because it's too high up to reach. Ah, I never thought about that. Sometimes we need to ask because it's just beyond our reach. <laughs> yes, Lucia. I just want to call the children They've been taught well. They've been, they've been taught some manners. Don't just take, ask. Right. Lisa? Somebody's watching. And somebody's counting because I've overheard some of the people behind the counter saying, How many have you had already today? So you can ask and get some cookies, but there's a limit. Like, okay, no more. So, what? Let me ask the preteens and the teens. What if I told you that I have some coins in my pocket? Well, in fact, everybody, anybody, I have some coins in my pocket. Is anybody, anybody want to ask me something? Can I ask something? Can you add? No, you're an adult, you have a job, you earn a salary. I need to provide for my daughter. Oh, 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 oh well, let me think about that one. Anybody else want to ask me something? Nobody wants to ask? <coughs> what sort I, of coins are yeah. they? They're real coins. They're not like cookie coins like those up there. <laughs> yes, Lisa. One piece or two pieces or they want coins? Oh, that's my secret. Which currency is it? Oh, that's a good question. They, they are British and European, oh. I believe. 
much. Anybody else? How much? There is sufficient. Sufficient for what? More than enough to satisfy the need. But like McDonald's? Yes, Austin. Okay. How many do you need for McDonald's? A lot. A lot. Let me see. What's the least you can buy? Let me see. There's a savers menu, 99p. 99p, save it. So let's see, there's this, 20, 40. Is that a British or is that, oh, that that's a something? There's another 20, how, many have, how much do you have there now? 90, that's about a pound, isn't it? So you can have some dessert as well. There you go. Aren't you lucky? Well, whatever your parents might think of that, they're your coins now, you may keep them. <laughs> well, let's let leave that matter to the, to, to the family. <laughs> but what, what can we learn from this? Like the cookies back there, like the coins in my pocket. It was my will to give those coins to someone, but I wasn't just going to give them, someone had to ask for them. But my will was also, it's like, and hang on, maybe it needs, it needs to go to someone who actually needs it. And who has a real need. Yes, no. Sometimes we can be a little bit reluctant because sometimes we think that they're conditioned around what we get. Oh, yeah. I, I dare not ask because maybe there are conditions. Yes. It's like, okay, I, I've got these coins now. Do I owe you something? Do I need to pay you back? Or... Yes, this year. Can, can you really do it? Do you really have enough money? Do you have enough? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it sufficient? You mean really? For, for, but, but what if they ask before me? And what if we all ask? Still got loads here, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but our, yes, we can ask for anything, but we need to ask aligned with God's will. How do we know what God's will is? Sometimes we only know when we ask. Sometimes we don't know. It's like, okay, maybe we just need to ask and we'll find out if it is his will or not. But also God wants us to ask even if it is his will. And I've seen people being healed because of prayer. And then you can ask, but why did God not heal them before we prayed? Well, maybe God wanted us to ask. The cookies back there, they're separate. They're for the kids but they still have to ask. We want to give it to them. I want to give away all these coins today, but I still want someone to ask. And to ask for something that's reasonable, ask for something that, uh, that fits within my will. And it's a tricky thing. Maybe one day I'll do a whole service sermon about this, a whole lesson about God's will. But when we ask and try and align our will with God's will, it's also helpful to understand that there's a general will and a specific will. If we wonder what God's general will is, what we mean by general will, it's God's will for everybody. We can easily find that out because we can just go and read the Bible. A lot of God, what God wills is expressed in the Bible. God's will is for everyone to be saved. So we don't need to ask God, God, please, can you save me? And then wonder if it is well. 
The Bible says clearly, it is, it is His will for every human to be saved, for every person on this planet to be able to go to heaven. That's God's general will and example. There, there are many other things. Um, God, His will is to have a relationship with us. He wants us to know Him. That's His general will. Then God has a specific will which is unique to every one of us. And that sometimes has to do with career, with health, with uh, where we live, with family, with suffering sometimes, with uh, joy, with our desires and our passions. And there, sometimes we have to seek God's will. And we seek it through prayer, we seek it through asking and seeing what the answer is. Uh, sometimes that's the way to find out what God's will is, like Jesus did. Is, well, does God really want me to go and die on the cross? Maybe I should ask, just to double check. And that's how he found out what God's specific will for him was. Some other questions. Do we always get what we ask for? Now, God does not always answer the ask of the righteous. <coughs> And if you've been a Christian for a long enough time, you probably can testify to that and say, yep, I found that out as well. Um, there's some good examples. Elijah, for example. Uh, Elijah was a prophet. And at some point he ran away. He had enough. And he was afraid for his life. And in fact, it was, it was so bad that he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. He was a righteous person. Very few people more righteous than Elijah. But even the righteous, like Jesus, do not always get what they ask for. Jesus asked for the cup to be taken away from him, and God said no. Elijah said, take my life, and God sent an angel to feed him. Um, Paul himself. In Corinthians, he writes, he says, because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded to the Lord to take it away from me. And God said, no. Paul, an apostle, one of the, the apostles in the Bible, he did not get what he asked for. And then sometimes God gives us what we ask that is even contrary to his will, so that we can learn. An example is in 1 Samuel 8, you're going to read the story for yourself, but in short, the people came to the prophet Samuel and said, we want a king. And Samuel said, no, God is your king. And they came back and said, no, we want a king. Go and tell God we want a king. And then Samuel went to God and God said, they really shouldn't have a king, but why don't you go and tell them what the consequences will be? And Samuel went and he told him the consequences. He said, look, you want a king, if you've got a king, he's going to take your children and send them to the army, and he's going to make them serve you, and he's going to put heavy taxes on you, and uh, he's going to rule over you. You sure you want a king? And the people said, yes, we want a king. And then God says, okay, I'll give you a king if that's what you ask for. It's not really what I want, but so sometimes if we ask for the wrong thing, God will give it to us so we can learn a lesson, so we can grow and learn through it. So we cannot just assume because we got what we asked for that it was the right thing. When will I get what I asked for? Uh, well, Matthew 7 
says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. Uh, this is one of those very tricky things in language. In Greek, there's a tense called the continuous, whatever something tense, I forgot, forgot the name, active continuous tense or something like that, which is, in English, you can't translate it except by, like it, in one of the other translations, it says, keep on asking. Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. <coughs> so if we read, ask and it will be given to you, actually, it says, keep on asking. So when will I get what I ask for? Sometimes we need to ask more than once, and we need to keep on asking, and not just give up. So maybe next time, you know, children, when you want McDonald's, oh no, let me not put ideas in their heads. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it is like that, you know. I've had it with my kids. When they come and ask once, I'm like, nah. But in my heart, I feel like, let me see if they're serious about this. If they really come and ask again and again and again, and they ask tomorrow again, and by next week they haven't forgotten, and they ask again, hmm, maybe they're actually serious about this. Okay, I'll consider it, and eventually I'll say yes. So God says, keep asking. Um, when will I get? When we keep on asking. Jesus told this parable of the, uh, of the woman. that uh, He told his disciples that they should always pray and not give up. There was this widow. She kept on coming to the judge. And she kept on coming back again and again and again, and he refused and he refused. But finally, because he said, the judge, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So sometimes we just need to be persistent to get what we ask for. So, we've answered some of our questions. We haven't answered Fat's question, which uh, we'll have to puzzle about a little bit. <laughs> um, but... So where does it leave, leave us? How do we proceed from this? The simple scripture that says, ask and you will receive. No, I've made it too small again and I can't read. <coughs> so some practicals, how do I proceed? Um, a good start is to clear our conscience. And then seek the relationship, not just the deeds. In John it says, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him. And then he carries on, he says, and this is his command, to have faith in Jesus and to love one another. It is about a relationship with Christ and the relationship with each other. So, this is not about tick the boxes, be obedient, yes, be obedient, but it's not, oh, let me get the checklist out and see how obedient I was. We can ask and proceed with confidence if we have a great relationship. I had an interesting experience about that in, uh, when I was in South Africa. Um, I don't know if my, my kids have recently listened to any of my sermons. Uh, I, I somehow doubt it, but uh, I won't mention any names. Um, we were in South Africa, and one of my kids wanted something to borrow something from, from one of my brothers. And this kid was like, oh, Dad, can you ask him, please, if I can borrow that? I was like, why don't you ask him yourself? It's like, well, you know, I don't know him that well. And it's like, I said, oh, okay. Well, no, I'm not going to ask him. You need to ask him because... 
then I feel responsible because I asked him and, and then, you know, if you damage it, then it comes back to me. It's like, no, no, it's between you and him. Interesting, a week later, there was, I, I have four brothers, so there's many to ask. Um, a week later, uh, a child of mine <laughs> had something. And I was like, oh, that's nice. It's like, yeah, I just asked him. This was another uncle. And it's like, oh, that is interesting. So how come you asked him and didn't come to me? It's like, no, no, I, we, 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 we're close. So, oh, what was that? Anyway, Siri or someone picked up something there. Um, and it's like, that is so interesting. My brothers are all very generous. And both of them would have said, of course, no problem to both requests. But the one, she did not have the confidence to go and ask himself, because herself. Oops, I said I said Anyway. <laughs> uh, you all try to figure out which one it was. <laughs> but this child, she didn't have the confidence to go and ask herself. But the other one, she had the confidence because she had the relationship. And the other one, she didn't have the relationship. So it was like, oh, I need someone on my behalf. Now, luckily as Christians, if you feel like, I don't dare ask God. We're the mediator. We can ask Christ and say, Jesus, please go ask the Father. I, I'm not sure if I can go to him with this, but, you know, we're friends. <laughs> but it's about relationship. We can ask if our relationship with God is sound. Not if we tick all the boxes. If, oh, I did this right and did that right and I was obedient in, in this. So, how to proceed? Start with a clear conscience. Um, Seek the relationship, seek his will, acknowledge his sovereignty. That's one thing we have to understand is that above all, God is sovereign. And if God just said yes all the time to everything we ask for, then he becomes like the Greek and the Roman gods who were kind of subject to the people's will. If you bring your offerings, then they have to listen to you. Please the gods and then the gods have to listen to you. God is sovereign. There are other things we can do. If, you don't, if you're not confident, you can ask others to pray for you. In James, it says, you know, if you're sick, go and ask the elders to come and pray for you, and you will be healed. You can ask others to pray with you. Jesus said, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So you can ask others to say, you know what, I'm not so confident, please pray with me. And then we can finally ask with confidence, with faith, and with boldness, and be persistent and patient in prayer. So, will we receive when we ask? If we really seek God's will, I honestly and truly believe that with confidence we can approach God every time, with that assumption that, yes, I will receive. And if it's not God's will, it will become clear to me. But that doesn't mean that if the answer this time was no, that next time I have no confidence. Every time I go and ask, I can go and ask with confidence. If I seek God's will, I'm persistent and patient. In Ephesians 3 verse 12, we are going to have communion now. It says, in him, referring to Christ, in Christ and through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. When Jesus died on the cross, when he gave his life, for the forgiveness of our sins, 
He broke down that barrier between us and God so that we can ask with confidence. Because he took the sin away that is the block between us asking and God hearing and listening to our requests. When we have the communion now. Let's think about that. Let's think about how Jesus has sacrificed his life, how he was even in his own prayers willing to align his requests with God's will so that we can ask and be able to receive. Simone, please come and pray for us.